Welcome to the Ridge Community Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to hit the subscribe button and find us online at theridgecc.com. At our website, you can catch up with everything that's happening at The Ridge, watch previous messages, and learn more about who we are. If you want to watch services live, you can catch them every Sunday via our online community at live.theridgecc.com. We hope this message inspires you to take the next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. I want you to imagine that you walk into a room full of strangers. Now, for some of you, you're like, well, I just did that. All right, so you're already connecting with this example. But you're walking in a room full of strangers and you see this, this table with name tags and markers on it. And so you haul over to that table and you pull out the name tag. And here's what the name tag says. It says, hello, I am blank. And so you're getting ready with the marker to write down your name. But the lady who's working the table, she says, oh, no, 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 no. I don't want you to write down your name. Uh, we're playing a little game. And in this game, instead of writing down your name, I want you to write something else that identifies you. And you're like, do I have to play this game? She's like, yeah, you gotta play the game, you gotta play the game. And so now you gotta think of something else besides your name to write in the blank. What do you write in the blank? Statistically speaking, most of us would write what we do in the blank. We would write something like, you know, I, I'm a lawyer or I'm a nurse. I'm a teacher, I'm a, I'm a plumber, uh, I'm a supervisor, uh, I'm a stay-at-home parent. I would say I work for a nonprofit because anytime you say pastor, it's like won't, 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 won't. And so I would say I work for a nonprofit. You know, so whatever you would write in the blank doesn't really mean that much until you see someone else with the very same thing in their blank. And the moment you see that person, you begin to form a little community with that person because you have something in common with them. Uh, others of you would put uh, either a struggle or a challenge that you've had to endure in your life. You might put something like, well, I'm a recovering addict or I'm divorced or I'm a cancer survivor. I am someone who has been through something. And once again, doesn't really mean a whole lot what's on your, on, on your blank until you see someone else with the same blank. And then right away when you see them, it's like you form a bit of a community with that person because you have something in common with them. Others of you might put an interest or a passion of yours in the blank. You might put something like, well, I'm an artist or I'm a musician. I'm a runner. I'm a Republican. I'm a Democrat. Uh, you might say, I'm a hunter. I'm a social media influencer. I'm a Steeler fan. And the minute, once again, what, the minute you write something in that blank, you're not only giving away your identity, you're establishing community. Because your identity, whether you realize it or not, comes with built-in community. Identity and community go very much together. There's another word that might be used for community. Tribe. Tribe. That your identity gives you a tribe. Now, when I say that, I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with wanting to be a part of a community, with wanting to be a part of a tribe. In fact, I think God made us that way. But the problem is, is if we're not careful, Tribes have a way of becoming tribalism. We see this on social media all the time. I, I want you to think back when Facebook came out. Some of you are like, when was that? You know, and some of you were live when Facebook came out. And uh, Facebook, when it came out, it was supposed to be this tool that brought all the world together into one giant Facebook group. But it didn't take long for us to divide into our own tribes. And then things got very divisive and, host and hostile and then we just, once again, we surrounded ourselves with groups of people who think like us and who say the things that we say. Now, if you don't believe me, go on Facebook groups sometimes. You will see this very thing. In fact, you'll see all these groups. Some of them are very nuanced. 
Let me give you some, some examples of some of these nuanced groups. Here, here, here's a picture of one that you can get on. This is called the Octonation Group. This is a group if you identify as an octopus lover. How many of you are part of that group? Oak Creek Franklin, how many of you are part of that group? Yeah, I'm still tossing a shutout with all the services. No one has, has decided to join the group, but you might after this service jo join that group. Now this next one I'm gonna show you, uh, when I first heard about this and I thought, I need to join this group, and now I'm not gonna join the group. And you're gonna see why in a minute. Here it is right here. It is the Real Men Love Cats group. Now, I love cats, but look at that cat. He looks demon-possessed, okay? I'm like, I ain't joining that group, okay? I mean, because I, I, and then the dude looks like, he like likes demon-possessed cats. I'm like, okay, I'm not gonna join that group. But for some of you, guys, that may be a group you, you join. Now, this last one, you're gonna love this one. Here's this last one. It's called the Deer Pringles group. Okay, now with the Deer Pringles group, this is fascinating. There are over a million people as a part of this group. Now it's really going up probably after this example. Million people in this group, and here's what's cool about it. It's not that you just love Pringles. You have to have hands that are too big to fit into the Pringle can to be a part of this group. Once again, some of you are like, I've been searching for this group my entire life, and now I've got it, now I've got it. But here's what we look at Facebook groups, and it's like, okay, I, I, I found a group, I found a community, that's my tribe. But here's the thing about tribes. Tribes can become tribalism. And with tribalism, it's not just who's a part of your community or who's a part of your circle that you're in. It is also, more so even, who is not a part of your community, who is not inside your circle. Uh, there was this study that was done years ago. It was called the Robber's Cave Study. It was done in Oklahoma. And what they did is they brought a bunch of 11-year-old boys together for camp. And uh, they formed them into two groups, but they didn't know that there was two groups. They only knew that about their own group because they had not met the other group. And so for the first week, they just spent time in their own, their own group and they did the camp thing, you know. Well, then the second week, they brought the two groups together. And so when they brought them together, this is the first time these groups had met each other. And this study showed this, and, and other studies have shown the very same thing, that when they brought the two groups together, they instantly didn't get along. They didn't like each other. And here's what the study showed. I'm just gonna read this to you. I think this is fascinating. It says this, it says, and researchers determined that the two initial groups came to define themselves, and listen to this, less by their own internal identity group. And so less by the, the group that they were hanging around with that week, but more by what separates them from the other group. Their identity wasn't just what tribe they were a part of, but even more so, their identity was based on the tribe they weren't a part of. And that's how things become so divided. You know, we see, we see this in sports. I can't get up here and say, well, I'm a Packer and a Bear fan. You know, both groups would be like, buzz off, dude. We want nothing to do with you. And of course, we see this in politics where tribalism is in full force. And unfortunately, we even see this creep into the church as well. You know, we see all this tribalism going on around us. And I think we all know this. We know it's devastating on our lives, on our relationships, and on our world at large. Well, today we are continuing our series called Against the Grain. Over the last few weeks, we've been looking at this question that we all wrestle with at some level. How do we live our best life now? And all of us have an answer to this, and most of us, our answer is some version of this right here. I get what I want. 
Now the problem with this answer is that the more we get what we want, the more we are in want. Now John came along, who's one of Jesus' disciples, and he gives us a very different answer, and this is the answer we have been looking at throughout this series, and he says this. He says, in him was life, in him, in Jesus. And those two words right there, in him, in Jesus, in Christ, they are found over 150 times in the New Testament. And so these, these two words are very, very important. And here's what these two words mean. What's true of Jesus is true of me. And if you follow Jesus, is true of you as well. And so with the series, we've been going like, okay, how do we step into life in him? And over the last couple weeks, if you've missed the last couple weeks, can't encourage you enough to just jump on our YouTube page to our YouTube channel and pick up, pick up anything you missed. We've been looking at some of the challenging teaches, teachings of Jesus that will help us step into that very life. Now today what I wanna do is I wanna build off of last week's message. And so this is kinda like a part two sort of thing. And so if you weren't here last week, I really need you to step into uh, our YouTube channel and watch that. But here's what we looked at last week. We looked at this question, what does God want from me? And for most of us, when we answer that question, we say, well, I think what God wants for me is some sort of, we called it a vertical relationship between God and me, and that vertical relationship is mostly based on, this is what we think, mostly based on I follow a set of rules, uh, I, I, I do the things I want, I'm involved in a bunch of religious activity, and we think that's what, that's what he wants. But Jesus came along, and he just blew that entire thing up. And he says, oh, yeah, he wants the vertical relationship, but it's not based on any of those things. It's relational. It's based on our heart. It's based on a love for him. But then he said there's a second thing that he wants, and it's just as important. That in the same way, he wants us in our horizontal relationships to love the people around us as well. And not just the people closest to us, but all the people that are around us. In fact, uh, we, we said it this way. We said the two things that he wants is to love God and to love people. And if, if you weren't here, you missed it. I put on a little tennis clinic, okay, where I had a tennis racket up here and I was doing a tennis swing. And I said, there's two parts of a tennis swing. There's the backswing and the follow through. And I said, for many of us, when we think about what God wants, it's just the backswing, it's the love God part. But if we do that, we never hit the ball, spiritually speaking. But there's also this follow through part, which is the love people part. And I'll just say this, I, I told my wife, I said, I will bet I will get phone calls for people wanting me to coach them in tennis. <laughs> and here's the surprising thing. I got zilch, zilch. So a little surprise, she won that bet. She's winning our NCAA tournament bracket as well, so everything's going wrong as far as that part. Now, we also said this. Here is our big idea from last week, and this is really important. It builds off of this. It says, your love for God is revealed in how you love people. In other words, the quality of the vertical relationship is made known in the quality of the horizontal relationships. And so today I wanna to build off of the love people part. And what do we talk about today? It has the potential to transform some of your relationships. And it has the potential for God to increase his influence in your life. And I'm just gonna tell you up front, it goes completely against the grain of what the message that culture gives us every single day. And so I'm gonna warn you with this right now. For most of us, this is gonna be very, very challenging it's gonna create tension. You might even get a little angry with me, but listen, this is a necessary message because according to Jesus, we can't truly love God and embrace tribalism at the same time. And so we just need to wrestle with this. This is really important for us to dig in because this is so much a part of the world that we live in, and so we're gonna dig at it. Now, it's easy for us to, to look at the thing of tribalism and go, well, <laughs> I mean, Jesus didn't deal with that. I mean, you know, that's just kind of today and all that stuff. Well, 
the type of tribalism that we deal with, Jesus dealt with it and maybe even more so. You see, in Jesus' days, the Jews believed that they were God's chosen people. And they were God's chosen people. They were chosen for a very high calling that was about other people. But over time, this calling became their version of tribalism. And so for them, it was God's chosen, who is us, and then everyone else, and not God's chosen. But Jesus steps into this type of culture and this type of tribalism, and what he says to them went completely against the grain for them, and I think this goes even more so against the grain for us today. Here's what Jesus said. He said, you've heard that it was said, love your neighbor. Now, we looked at this last week. This was a part of their Old Testament law. They would have heard this. They'd have been like, okay, yeah, we got that. But he says this, and hate your enemy, which is interesting. They would not have heard this because this wasn't in their law. You see, Jesus was addressing something that had become a part of their belief system. What's interesting about Jesus is that one of the things that he was constantly doing for them was redefining who their neighbor was. Because for the Jews, it was exclusive. So love your neighbor, the filter was, oh yeah, love other Jews. Therefore, if you're you're not a Jew, it's kind of like, you're not our people, you're not our tribe, this doesn't apply to us. But then listen to what he says. He says, but I tell you, in other words, against the grain's coming. And then he says this, not hate your enemies, I want you to do the exact opposite. I want you to love your enemies, and pray for those who persecute you. Now the word enemies, we don't use that word in, in a lot in our, our lingo today. And so I was trying to think of, okay, what would, what would that look like today? Who would be an enemy, quote unquote, for us today? Now here, here's what I think some examples would be. Be people that vote differently than you, people who don't agree on certain issues that, that you would agree on. I would say people that you would wanna cancel, people that you would wanna unfollow, Uh, people that when you think about maybe that person or individual groups of people, it kind of makes your blood boil, gets you a little angry. Maybe it's someone who's hurt you, someone who's wronged you, and you can just keep filling in the blank. And so he says, love your enemy. Well, then what does he mean by love? Am I supposed to like feel these butterfly feelings for my enemy? Well, the thing about love that Jesus uses is it's not a feeling, which I think is a good thing, because if I said, okay, you need to love your enemy, No one's gonna feel like loving their enemy. It's bigger than that. Love's an action. And here's what it means to love through a New Testament filter. It means this, love is doing things for the benefit and well-being of others. Or as I say to my kids, love is always doing what's best for the other person. And so Jesus says, this is what I want you to do for the people who aren't in your tribe. To which we have all sorts of pushback against. Because when we think about the people that would be considered our enemies, (laughs) we have reason not to love them in that way. We all do. And Jesus realized this, and so he's going to address that very thing because they had the same pushback back then. And he's going to do it by giving them the larger purpose for why. And he says this that you may be children of your Father in heaven. So according to Jesus, love and praying for our enemies is an essential part of being a son or daughter of God. It's like when when we do this, it shows we are like our father. Uh, As a dad, there are certain things that I've tried to instill in, in my kids. And one of them is to just respect other people. 
and uh, respect other people. That, that filter from, comes from the same. I mean, respect for a lot of us is just treat other people nice and all that stuff, which is fine, okay? I wanted to kind of elevate the idea of respect, and respect is they're made in the image of God. And the other thing is that is that it's such a small world, and everybody kind of knows everybody and all that stuff. Well, when my twin boys were uh, working in their first job, they worked at Culver's, and uh, they worked there for a couple of years. Well, then they got what they called a better opportunity. And the better opportunity was to work at Chick-fil-A. Okay, now for some of you, you see, that as a, you see that as a better opportunity. And speaking of tribalism, man, I mean, Christian chicken, there's tribalism around that, you know? And so they saw it as a better opportunity. I'll just, for the record, I did not see it as a better opportunity. Because I was going from custard to chicken, then bringing home. I don't care how healthy you are, that is a downgrade for me. But they, they were going to take this job, and so they gave their notice in and, and all that stuff. And, I, and I, I pulled them aside and I said, okay, guys, I said, how you finish is just as important. You can lose everything if you don't finish well. So I want you guys to work your tail off, work your butts off these last two weeks all the way till the very end. And so they did and they did and they did. Well, their GM from Culver's pulled them aside the last day. And he said, hey guys, I just want to let you know that if you ever need a reference, you come get one for me. If you ever want a job again, you have one waiting for you because you guys have been incredible to work with, hard workers, great attitudes. I take you guys back in a, in a heartbeat. And so I said to him, hey, that's great. I said, did you tell them you got that from dad? <laughs> and they looked at me, but no, why would we say that? Why would, because you did, man. I mean, you did, you know? So when Jesus says, when we go against the grain and love our enemies, what we are doing is we're saying what we are like he is like because we got that from our heavenly dad. And then he continues and he says, he causes his son to rise on the evil and the good. He causes, he causes the son to rise on the evil and the good and he sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. You know, I, I know most of us wouldn't say this, but I think we, we think this. Doesn't God play favorites? It's kind of like we see this in the political realm all the time. We're like, you know, God a Republican, God's a Democrat, or I hold my issue here, or not my issue here, and, uh, you know, God likes the people better on my, that hold my issue or my belief than he does on, on the other side. And Jesus goes, <laughs> you don't know God very well. Because according to Jesus, God sends good gifts on those who love him and on those who don't love him. It's why when we, to love our enemies, is to treat them as God treats them. No favorites. And then he just continues dealing with the pushback. He says, hey, if you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even tax collectors doing that? So Jesus is like, hey, dude, hey, listen, you, you loving your own people? Nothing special about that. Everybody does that. And then he uses the example of tax collectors. In our filter, it'd be like, even the worst of the worst do that. Today, we might go, even people that harm children do that. And he says, and if you greet only your people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that. And so this idea of greeting was to wish peace and blessing on another person. And so he's like, once again, everybody does that. Even people who don't believe in God do that. And then he wraps it up and he says this really powerful line. He says, be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Now when he talks about perfect, he's not talking about never making a mistake or sinning again. It's this idea of maturing into. And so in this context, Jesus is saying this. He's saying, I want you to just strive for this type of maturing into the attitude and the tone of your heavenly father 
And one of the ways that we do that is by loving our enemies just as your heavenly Father loves all people. Now, I know this raises a lot of questions. And we all have our version as we think through our filter of, yeah, but, and I get that. But this series is called Against the Grain for a reason. It's called that for a very good reason. Because I think we see all the, the division and hostility not only in the world, but our world. And after we get through all the finger pointing and blaming, I think a part of us just kind of looks at this and goes, something's just not right with all of this. And there's a breaking point to this. And the only way things are gonna change is if we are willing to go against the grain and follow Jesus' command to love our enemies. And to understand this, to love our enemies is not contingent on anything they do. So here's what I wanna do for the time I have left. I wanna give you two images that'll just give you handles to what this might look like in your life, and then I'm gonna follow it up with a couple questions, and these questions will hopefully help you kind of flush this out in your life in a very, very practical way. So I wanna give you two images. Here's the first image. This is the image of a wall. Now, let me ask you a question. What is the largest wall in history? Anybody know? Oak Creek Franklin, anyone know? Say it out loud. Great Wall of China. Let's put up the Great Wall of China in there. Uh, let, me, let me just give you some fun facts of the Great Wall of China. So the Great Wall of China was built during the, the Ming Dynasty. It took over 2,000 years to build. And uh, at its peak, it was nearly 5,500 miles. Think about that, 5,500 miles. Now today, it's actually not one wall, but it's divided into parts. How, how many of you have been to the Great Wall of China? How many have been there? Some of you have been there? I, I think it would just be an amazing thing to, to just to see. Now, why did they build that wall? Well, they built that wall because they were trying to protect their territory from enemy invasion. And so why? Protection. See, walls might be necessary from a military standpoint, but according to Jesus, they go against everything God stands for from a people standpoint. I want you to think about for a minute what walls do. What do walls do? Okay, walls divide. It's like, okay, you got, you got my side and then you got your side. And what else do walls do? They devalue. Because here's how they communicate. Hey, you're not good enough because you're not on my side. You know, this is why whenever there's relational walls, you know, between people or you know, between two people or groups of people, there's always anger, there's always resentment, there is always hostility. And Jesus says, don't do that because walls never work. This message about walls is a, actually a big part of the New Testament. In fact, when in the early church, Jews were becoming Jesus followers, and as I said before, they were very tribal. And so all of a sudden for them, it was, it was us and everyone else, but then they realized that Jesus died for everyone. And so for them, they had spent their entire life just building up walls and living into that, and so they just defaulted to that. Here's what the Apostle Paul wrote to them. He said this. He said, for Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into what? One people. When in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. So Jesus came in to bring people in, to tear down walls and make us one. And I think we all know that today we see walls of hostility being built all around us. And I think, that, like I said, this is just my opinion, 
I think many of the walls that are being built are really built on personal preference and matter of opinion. And so what we do is we have our deal and we build up walls and we gather people from our tribe because we're most comfortable with people from our tribe. And whether we realize or not, then we begin to separate ourselves. But the beautiful counterintuitive message of the gospel is that Jesus came in to tear down walls and make us one. And the critical thing about this is that the local church is to be a picture to the rest of the world that is truly possible. And it's possible because when you're in Christ, we see and treat people differently because our Savior treated us differently. You see, we are the tribe that can walk arm to arm without seeing eye to eye. You see, we can, we can vote differently. We can disagree on some social issues. You see, there's differences and there is room for that. We are the tribe that is meant to walk arm in arm without seeing eye to eye. And you just need to know this. It's okay that you have personal convictions about things. This is not what that mes- this message is about. What it's about is when those personal convictions become the litmus test for community and relationship with other people, especially, especially with other Jesus followers. And Paul says, don't do that because that goes against the very thing Jesus came to do. Image number two. Image number two is the image of a bridge. Now, harder question for you, harder question. What is the largest bridge in the world? Anyone know? Oak Creek Franklin, anyone know? I had to look it up too, okay? I didn't know what it is. I, I was wrong. Okay, it is the Dunshan, Dunyang Kunshan Grand Bridge in China. Now, here's a picture of it. Now, check this out. That bridge extends 102 miles. 102 miles. I was thinking about this, okay? Because, you know, our kids were little once and all that stuff. I'm getting a minivan and you're driving. Can you imagine you get on this bridge and then one of them's like, you know, 20 miles in? Hey, mom, I got to go to the bathroom. It's like, what do you do? Do you hang them over the bridge, you know? And they kind of do that whole thing. I, what do you do, you know? Because you know there's not a gas station on that thing. Uh, but just think about that. 102 miles. Now, why did they build that bridge? Well, one of the reasons they built that bridge is because this was form, is to form part of a connection uh, between a, a railway systems. And it was the high-speed railway between two large cities, uh, Beijing and Shanghai. And so it was built for connections. And I want you to just think about bridges for a minute. Why are bridges ultimately built? They're built because they connect two things that are separated from each other. A bridge is all about connections. And so Jesus says, I want you to love your enemies just as your father loves you. And in that line right there, we, we hear the, the entire message of Christianity in a nutshell. And the message is this, is that God sent Jesus to tear down walls that we built to keep God out and to build a bridge to connect us with him. And why would he do that? Because that's what love does. Love always does what's best for the other person and God is love and so he did what's best for us even though it wasn't best for him. And our calling, if you're a Jesus follower, if you're not, you don't have to worry about this, but if you're a Jesus follower, our calling is to elevate beyond all the noise of culture and to do the very same thing. Let me give you three questions and then we're done. Three questions that'll just help you kind of flush this out. Once again, these are challenging questions. Very few people will wrestle with these questions, but I'm telling you, if you do, you will experience God in ways that you haven't otherwise. Here's the first question. 
Is there a mission that you have become more passionate about than the Jesus mission? You know, God's tribe is known as the local church. And his calling on us is to partner with him to build bridges so people can discover life in Jesus. And so any mission that elevates above Jesus' mission ultimately, if that's you, there may be some walls that you've got to tear down in your life. Here's the second question. Have you taken your personal opinions and views and created a wall and then judged those on the other side of it? And that wall just kind of serves as this litmus test for you of community and relationships with other people. And I get that. It is just so easy to do. But listen, here's what you need to know. You can be right and still be wrong at the same time. You see, this isn't a question of rightness. It's a matter of are we treating people right? And our culture says this about right and wrong. It says our opinion is more important than people. And Jesus comes along and says, would you just flip that around and make people greater than your opinion? And if you do, you will treat people differently because your opinion won't matter as much. Third and final question. What does it look like for you to tear down a wall and build a bridge in that situation? Now, the beautiful thing is that Jesus gave us a starting point. And the starting point is this. Okay, just pray. And for my own life, there's these two rapid prayers that, that, that I will do. And the first rapid prayer is just a prayer for myself where I say, I'm just honest with God and go, God, I don't like that person. I don't like, I don't like the group of people. I don't, I don't, I don't. And then the second one is I begin to pray for that other person whether I feel it or not. And I'll pray, God, bless, I pray your blessing on them. Hey, God, I pray your, your best for them. And if you do that, here's what will happen. God will begin to do a work in you. And we talked about this last week, okay? This isn't you and the other person. This is you and God now. That God will begin to do a work in you because he wants to do a work in you. You know, just some, some practical things that you can do. Maybe for some of you is that you just do some small acts of kindness. Because once again, love is an action. You do some small acts of kindness. For others of you, you know, you, you might need to just take that person out for coffee and you just... Just talk at a common ground level, hear their story, just connect with them in some way. It's amazing what happens when you hear someone's story. You know, for some, you need to forgive a person or a group of people just because of how they treated you, how they wronged you in some way, and that you just, you just need to forgive. For others of you, you need to ask for forgiveness because you've treated people, a group of people or a person wrong, you, you, whether it be harshly or said some things and all that stuff, and the most loving thing that you can do is you can go, Hey, will you forgive me? I treated you wrong. Now, here's something I want to encourage all of you to do. If you've never done this before, maybe you don't engage in this, which is good, but here's what often happens. People will be scrolling through social media, and they see someone who disagrees with them, and then what do they do? They go to the comment section, or they give this, you know, the dislike, or they're starting to, you know, put comments on stuff. Just for a week, okay? If this is you, just for a week, here's what I want you to do. It's the most loving thing you can do. Don't type anything in the comment section. And if you're going to type something in the comment section, go against the grain and type something encouraging. Not agreeing, okay? This isn't agreement. Type something encouraging about them. I'm telling you, you, you do that, it'll be like, <sighs> is that possible? Yes, it is actually possible. You see, this isn't about becoming best friends with people. This is about doing our part to remove anything that would separate us and divide us with other people because those are the very people our Heavenly Father loves and they are the very people he called us to love. In 1960, a six-year-old girl 
walked into Williams France Elementary School in New Orleans. A federal judge had just desegregated all the schools in the New Orleans school district. That little girl's name, Ruby Bridges. And when she was walking into school that day, she was met with a mob of angry white people who were yelling at her, calling her names, and even spitting at her. I wanna show you a picture of that day. There she is right there. Just look, look at the sign and stuff like that. Look at the courage of that six-year-old girl. I can't even imagine that type of courage at my age, much less being six years old. Well, Robert, Robert Coles was a Harvard psychologist who interviewed Ruby shortly after uh, that experience. And as he's interviewing her, he says, hey, Ruby, I noticed as you were walking through the crowd, you were, your lips were moving. Were you talking back to people? And she said, no, no. And he goes, well, what were you doing? I was praying. Praying? Yeah, I was praying. I, use, I usually pray in the morning before I go into the crowd, but I forgot to pray that morning. And so I was praying as I was walking through the crowd. Well, Ruby, what were you praying? And she says, I was praying that God would forgive them because that's what Jesus did on the cross. Shortly after, Robert Coles gave his life to following Jesus, all because God spoke to his heart through how Ruby treated those who hated her. The message in our culture, message in our culture. It's tribalism, it's us versus them, it's your opinion matters more than people, but our calling as a Jesus follower is something so much better and so much higher and so much more elevated than all that. And it's the only thing that'll cause change in our world. And that is we're to love our enemies. It's not to embrace tribalism. And I'm telling you, if you do that, you will experience life in a way that you are currently not experiencing life. But God will also use you to give life to a world that we see is just ripping itself apart. Let me pray for us. Father, um, this, this idea of tribalism, I mean, it's just so normal and common for us. It's just, it's, we just kind of look at it, God, and we just have all these walls up and reasons for, and, and we're right, and they're wrong, and just we get all that. And then you step in, and then you say, it's not about any of that. It's about how I feel about people, and how I feel about people is how you should feel about people. And God, we just, we, we struggle. This is hard for us. But we also know that if we're going to truly experience a quality relationship and a connection with you, how we treat other people, including the people that we don't consider a part of our tribe, that matters to you because they matter to you. So Father, would you help us to just wrestle with this? Would you help us to take a step with this? God, would you just help us to have the courage to be different, to elevate, to rise above, to be better? Because people are the most important thing to you. And so, Father, may they be the most important thing to us. And may we be individuals and may we be a community that sees that stuff and doesn't settle for the status quo and doesn't settle for with the grain, but we would have the courage to go against it. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Rich Community Church's podcast. If you live in Southeast Wisconsin, we'd love to host you at one of our weekend services. For directions, service times, and more about our kids' and students' environments, visit us at theridgecc.com. That's theridgecc.com.